Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. It's a Friday, so kind of a different feel to the show and maybe your life on a Friday. So at some point, we'll get to the Rolling Stone magazine, put out their list of the 500 greatest songs of all time. They did that back in the early 2000s. Well, they've revamped the list quite a bit. And we'll see if you agree with their top ten or any of it now. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, plus, uh, if you need a slave or somebody murdered, log on to Facebook. What? Stay, stay with us for that. What? Uh, you're going to have to get services, or what's that under? You're going to have to get used to gender pronouns at work. And uh, plus, the the new U.S. Australian sub deal has China hopping mad. And who gives a blank? So I've got a few people in my orbit that do the pronoun thing on their emails. I got to admit, I tend to think you're a bit of a nut. And it, me, 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 I get a certain view of you if you do that. Like, you know, doesn't it's not disqualifying in my mind <laughs> like to be a friend or a, a, a business partner or anything like that. No, but, to get back uh, to the, uh, the the missing gal uh, discussion, it's evidence, it's not proof. It makes me a little wary. Unless you're young, young people, I realize it's a, you know, you're all, all your teachers have told you to do that, so why wouldn't you? But I wonder at what point it crosses over to where if you don't have your pronouns at the end of your email, it's kind of a, nah, I don't know if I want to do business with him. Right, when it reaches critical mass yeah. on the yeah. on the other side, I get what you're saying. Yeah, I wonder yeah. when that happens. I could see that happening in a couple of years. Well, I am going to go with really jokey, you know, your royal highness. My pronouns on are your royal highness, uh, your highness, All my right. liege. Then you will be a guy who doesn't take gender fluidity seriously, and you will <laughs> Correct. be banished from society. <laughs> Fine. Please do not use gendered language to... C- to address everyone. <laughs> ah, yes, yes. I, uh, dar, what was I going to say? No forwarding address either. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye. Um, this should be the biggest story in the country. It's story number one on Fox and maybe the Washington Examiner and nowhere else. It's this one. Stunning footage out of Del Rio, Texas on Thursday. Thousands of migrants crammed under the International Bridge, waiting to be processed after crossing illegally into the United States. From the ground, the size of the crowd shows the size of the task that undermanned Border Patrol agents will have to deal with, with a law enforcement source telling me as of Thursday afternoon there were well over 9,000 migrants, mostly Haitians, waiting under that bridge. A doubling of the numbers in just 24 hours, while local Border Patrol holding facilities are well over capacity. Yeah, it's over 10,000 now, over half of them Haitians, and... I don't want to sound like I have a have it particularly in for Haitians, but the point is we now have people coming from other countries thousands of miles away because they've they've gotten the word that hey you can get into the United States, the greatest country on earth that is going to provide you medical care and education and everything for the rest of your life if you can just get across the border. Right, people are and- coming from other countries now. And these people in their cartels, they're not stupid. They're just poor. Well, the cartels are rich. But the people are not stupid. And they realize, they read the paper, 
this these policies cannot last because the Biden administration is under fire. And so there is an enormous rush to the border. Uh, by the way, it's interesting to me, the uh, New York Times is reporting this story pretty prominently today. Good. Their headline is thousands of migrants huddle in squalid conditions what? under Texas Bridge. Are you looking at the print version or the online version? Online. Okay, so at this current moment, it's prominent on the online. I'd like to see the print version and see where it shows up. Uh, taking in all the cable news shows uh, last night when this story was, you know, at its zenith for the day and uh, all your left-leaning shows didn't even mention it. I forwarded through the whole show, didn't even mention it, which is astounding. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, where do people get their news? I don't know. I mean, you're you're always beating the drum that cable news is stupid and yep. nobody watches it. Yep. So I love to hate it. But they have all the reporters on from New York Times, Washington Post, all that sort of stuff, and mm-hmm. uh, nobody brought it up at all. <laughs> so, yeah, crazy. Um, uh, here's Ted Cruz. He's the senator from Texas weighing in on the story. Today, it's September 16th, eight days later, and 700 people has grown to 10,500 because the word has gone out. If you're from Haiti, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris have said, we have open borders, come to Del Rio, and they will let you in. Everyone under that bridge is turning themselves in, and it's a political decision that Joe Biden could end tonight by simply following the law and saying we are going to send people back to Haiti, which is what federal immigration law requires until Biden and Harris got in office. An interesting point that isn't made enough. We have laws. We don't enforce them. Sure. Mm Mm-hmm. Greg Abbott said he ordered, well, he ordered the state police and the National Guard to assist the border agents, saying the federal response has not been nearly enough to quell the surge in crossings. Quote, the Biden administration is in complete disarray and is handling the border crisis as badly as the evacuation from Afghanistan. So if you've seen pictures of uh, the 10,000 mostly Haitian migrants there under the bridge, it's probably because of Fox's drone. Ted Cruz got into that interesting story. The drone footage started this morning and people across the country were horrified and and I guess the political operatives at the Biden White House saw that and decided the last thing they want is Fox News actually reporting on what's happening down here. So now the FAA is saying, please, no journalists allowed. As you know, they did the same thing in the Donna tent facility in the Rio Grande Valley where they wouldn't allow Fox News to come in when I brought 19 senators to the Rio Grande Valley. I had to go in with my cell phone and photograph and take videos. I'll tell you, I'm right there. That bridge is behind me. And I just finished going again with my cell phone, taking videos of what's happening there. It is the most horrific thing I've ever seen. Yeah, well, Ted Cruz said people across America were horrified. If they watched Fox, they saw that and thought, oh, my God. But if you don't watch Fox, or like Joe said, where do you get your news? But if you watch any of the other channels, you don't even know this is happening. The border has completely fallen apart. Hundreds of thousands of people a month. That uh, crowd of 10,000 people under the bridge was a couple of hundred at the beginning of the week. It is that violent and extreme a, a human wave that's washing across the border, and we have no idea as a country what to do with them, so we're just turning them loose. What would you do if you're dad of a family with a couple of kids in Haiti and you hear that if you get across the border, you can stay? Precisely what they're doing. I would do anything, anything. I'd sell everything I got. Because you get into the United States, you've changed the trajectory of your family and the, the rest of the generation's forever 
Yeah, absolutely. I understand their their want, their desire to do that 100%. And if we had a reasonable, intelligent, reformed immigration system, we could deal with a lot of people. But we don't, for mostly political reasons. But this is, I'm telling you, if the New York Times is hammering this as prominently as they are, at least for now online, um, the the crisis at the border is about to be a huge crisis in the White House. Yeah. And there's nothing old Jen Psaki can spin that's going to help. Well, remember that uh, Political had the story a couple of weeks ago that for the White House, they think their biggest vulnerability is this immigration problem at the border. That's the reason they don't talk about it at all. Gosh, there's another story. I don't want to get off track here, but there's another story about how one of the most prominent journalists in America, Jennifer Rubin of the Washington Post, how she works with the White House on what stories to put out. And then they, oh, she's shameless. They quote her, and then she writes a story. So, so the White House is working with the media to keep this immigration story quiet because it's, they see it as their biggest vulnerability. One more thing I want to get on that's kind of interesting. So they were discussing... Uh, the 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 trillion dollar infrastructure bills and all these different stuff that's going on uh, there, and they got into the immigration a little bit. And uh, Gerald Nadler was involved. Government uh, strikes the entire immigration title and the important investments in our human infrastructure that it makes. Therefore, I urge opposition to the amendment. Yes, if if the uh, chairman would. Uh, indulge me, I'd like to know if he just used the term human infrastructure to refer to the portion of the bill that Mr. Gohmert seeks to strike with his amendment. I did. So illegal immigration is now human infrastructure. I, I don't know what to say. So they're going through all the gazillion amendments that are going to be in this almost biggest piece of legislation we've ever had in our nation's history. And there's a portion in there put in by Louis Gohmert of Texas dealing with illegal immigrants and Nadler's arguing to get it uh, to leave it alone because this is a human infrastructure bill and illegal immigration is part of human infrastructure. Well, so that's where we are in the whole Orwellian terms don't mean what you think they are thing. Well, in in the the hall of mirrors and the den of lies that is the discussion about is it a hall or a den? Um, <laughs> that is the discussion about immigration. Big ag wants illegal immigrants. Big industry, big meat wants illegal immigrants. Hello, the, the uh, <laughs> do you or don't you? Uh, the, uh, the 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 social security and uh, you know all the uh, the. the, the Safety net programs desperately need more young workers paying taxes. They just won't be honest with this about it. Anyway, we'll see. Uh, I, I just glanced up at CNN and they teased what they're about halfway through the hour on whatever show this is. They had a picture uh, from the bridge, so they're they're going to talk a little bit about the immigration thing. I ho- I hope it's re- reaching some sort of critical mass where it can't be ignored. It just can't be ignored. The Haitian angle ought to get people's attention. You have ten thousand people waiting under a bridge in the heat with no plan on what to do with them, and over half of them are from an island 2,000 miles away? What the hell? It's, it's obvious there is a superhighway into the United States through Mexico, and the Biden administration is not only permitting it, they're perpetuating it. So lots of stuff to talk about today. Our text line, as always, is 415-295-KFTC. I should probably get to that whole Facebook can get you a slave thing before long, just because they do have attorneys. Yeah, that's probably a good idea. Yeah. So Zuckerberg does not have slaves. I don't know that. I can't state that as a fact. Well, you're like that kid in uh, Florida at his parents' house. I'm not much like it. You're just not going to say anything. You're just lawyering up. You're staying quiet. Armstrong and Getty. 
Armstrong and Getty Show. So do you remember when uh, Rolling Stone put out their list of the 500 greatest songs of all time? 2004, they put it out, 17 years ago. I can't believe it was that long ago because I remember us talking about it on the air and going through the list, uh, you know, and discussing it and all that sort of stuff and probably even took calls way back then on the whole thing. Uh, But that was 17 years ago. Well, they put out a new list of the 500 greatest songs of all time, and they changed a lot of it. Like a third of the list is different. Including a third of the top 100, so it's a much different list. But well, sure, you got to add new stuff, obviously, to keep people interested. But I'm not really interested in much of the new stuff because it's—I'd imagine it's mostly pop music. Um, but we can go like through like the top 20 or top 10 at some point and see what you think. Yeah, it's kind of I, fun. I made up a song. You want to hear it? Sure. Okay, <clears throat> it's a new Facebook jingle. If you need a slave, Facebook. Wanna murder a knave, Facebook. Oh boy. Wanna find a friend, hire a clown, slaughter an entire African town. Okay. It's Facebook. Okay, so people say that our voices are hard to tell apart. That was G E T T Y. G E T T Y. Jack Armstrong had a wide eyed look during the whole thing. Obviously, did not approve. <laughs> Here's the story. And I can't decide how much to demonize Facebook for this, because um, I'm a demonizer. You know that. <laughs> so uh, Facebook um, doesn't care much about this sort of thing and doesn't have lawyers, really. So, yeah, I wouldn't worry about it. Uh, the wrath so the, of Mark. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, Wall Street Journal is on this story. They mentioned they, they lead the story with a former cop who's uh, who t- turned into a Facebook investigator. He posted an all-staff memo uh, on some of the things that they had discovered in looking into the way Facebook is used. The biggest one is a Mexican drug cartel was using Facebook to recruit, train, and pay hitmen. Scores of internal Facebook documents reviewed by the Wall Street Journal uh, show employees raising alarms about how its platforms are used in some developing countries where its user base is already huge and expanding. And they also show that the company frequently found out about this stuff and did uh, very little or nothing at all. For instance, employees flagged that human traffickers in the Middle East used the site to lure women into abusive employment situations in which they were treated like slaves and or forced to perform sex work and became slaves. They warned that armed groups in Ethiopia used the site to incite violence against ethnic minorities. They sent alerts to their bosses on organ selling, pornography, and government action against political dissent, according to the documents, all happening on Facebook. The problem is... Go ahead. You just throw pornography in with slaves and organ selling like they're at the same level? I mean, I'm not a fan of pornography flying around too easily, but... uh... It ain't slavery and harvesting organs. Nor hiring and paying hitmen. Uh, in some countries where Facebook operates, it has few or no people who speak the dialects needed to identify dangerous or criminal wow. uses of the platform. Yeah, we've all heard about um, the people Facebook hires to go over all these different posts and sites and stuff like that and how it's just like the worst job on earth. Yeah. Looking oh at a whole gosh. bunch of child porn and, and violent stuff and everything like that, and oh. animal abuse and everything. and. And you're supposed to look at all these videos and flag them, and it makes people actually crazy. Oh, yeah. I read a harrowing article about that just a couple of weeks ago. But that's if you speak the language and kind of understand what the hell's even going on. I, oh, my God. Yeah. How, how are you going to do it in a country where you don't have people who speak that particular language? 
Now, Facebook will tell you they take down offending posts, but they haven't fixed the system that allowed offenders to repeat the bad behavior. Instead, writes the Wall Street Journal, priority is given to retaining users, helping business partners, and at times placating authoritarian governments whose support Facebook sometimes needs to operate within their borders. So, uh, boy, that's just crazy. How does that jingle go again? Ah, it's probably best left. If you want a if slave. If you need a slave, there you go. Facebook. There you go. Want to murder a knave, Facebook. Wow, boy. Want to find a friend, hire a clown, slaughter an entire African town. Okay. It's Facebook. Okay. <laughs> That's where I jumped in to make it clear that. That, that was should, Joe Getty and that, not Jack Armstrong. That should go viral. That was Michelangelo singing that song, our <laughs> board operator, Michael. Well, I'll be in, entering community college today. <laughs> oh, boy. So, Nicki Minaj's cousin's friend's testicle is still in the news, believe huh. it or not. Really? Yeah. Just the one or both of them? Uh, I don't know. If it, they usually come in a pair. In my They're experience. like us. They work as a team. Exactly. exactly. My experience, they come in a pair. Uh, Jimmy Kimmel's trying to get the alleged owner of the testicles on his show to try to get to the bottom of this story. It's a hot get, no doubt. (laughs) Yeah, that'd be a good guest. I'd tune in for the first time in many, many years. Uh, Other news on the way. If you miss an hour, go to armstrongandgetty.com. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Purpose of this national security Zoom call was to announce a trilateral security partnership with Britain and Australia. But the takeaway from this historic meeting is that Biden appeared to forget the Australian Prime Minister's name. Thank you, Boris. And and I want to thank uh, that fellow down under. Thank you very much, pal. Appreciate it, Mr. Prime Minister. Thank you, pal. Mr. Prime Minister, Chief, big guy, Crocodile Dundee. Koala kid, old platypus Pete over here. The man from the land down under where the beer does flow and the men chunder. You're my kangaroo Jack. Jack, you're my little Joey. Throw me in your pouch. Let's go for a bloomin' onion. Let's uh, build back out back better. I'm kidding around. I'm not kidding around about kidding around. Crikey. Build back out back better. That's funny. Um, see, that happens to me now and then. I know exactly what he's doing because I do the same thing now and then. When my, when my you know, uh, senior moment. I'm not old enough to have those, am I? Yeah, apparently you are. Well, and apparently I am too. For my brain, apparently I am. But just, you know. Anyway, um, yeah, sometimes just a name you know backwards and forwards just flits out of your head. And you know it'll come back, so if you stall a little bit, like Joe Biden's doing there, you think it's going to come back. And, and now at his age, it doesn't come back sometimes. I tell you what, when Colbert's not being obnoxious, he's really funny. Oh, he's a clever dude. Yeah. Uh, but so I'm, I'm glad you're going to talk a little bit about this whole, we're giving Australia the money and knowledge to get a nuclear sub and France got pissed off? That was surprising to me. China's pissed off too, as well, a matter of fact. I don't care if China's pissed off. That's the whole point. We need to get into Joe Biden's cough later today uh, during the show, too, as well. Uh, Anyway, yeah, so uh, the United States and Britain um, have uh, decided to share sensitive nuclear submarine technology with Australia. 
um, which is obviously a move to counter Beijing and its growing military ambitions, particularly in the in the, that part of the world. And Australia is more worried about China than we are f- for a whole bunch of different reasons. China's come hard against Australia's uh, a bunch of different economic moves that have been punishing to Australia in the last year. And if you don't know this, the Aussies are a critical and huge naval ally of ours and have been for a long time. So anyway, uh, the reason France is pissed off is they thought they had a contract to provide Australia with a bunch of conventional non-nuclear submarines, which is, I understand that they're kind of battery powered. They use diesel engines to, to generate power. They power batteries. Then they're super effective and quiet, but they have limitations that nuclear subs don't. Uh, so anyway, France thought they were going to make billions and billions of dollars selling the Aussies subs, and and now Uncle Sam came in and offered a better deal, and so the Aussies said, eh, you know, thing we uh, we talked about the, those papers we signed, not so much. So France is going to have to get some sort of uh, breaking the contract payment from the Aussies. Okay, allegedly, but, but, but so it's just a financial the anger. It's not they're not mad that we're challenging China. No, it's entirely uh, industry. So what I think is the most interesting thing, and I got this information somewhere, I should br- bring it up, but the most interesting thing I read is up until very recently, Australia's been trying to have it both ways between the United States and China, and there are quotes from the former prime minister and then this new guy saying, we don't see why we need to choose between China and the United States. We can be friends to both lands. So they were hoping to pull off some sort of, we'll deal with both, We'll kind of benefit from both. We don't need to pick a side here. And China, with all kinds of different tariffs on their wine and different uh, penalties that they've done, um, uh, finally pushed Australia to where the prime minister flat out said, no, we're, we're, we're with the United States. Yeah, well, they just tried the, one more time for that foreign policy the last 50 years that the most Western nations have had toward China. Come on now. Be cool. We oh, can be trading partners. I can't believe anybody's still falling for that. So um, if you haven't listened to the podcast, if you're into this story, you should listen to the podcast China Unscripted. It's really good, and they get some great guests on, and, and I catch episodes now and then. But they had a guest on the other day talking about this whole um, decoupling uh, idea. China started decoupling from the rest of the world a long time ago. Remember years ago, early 2000s, when they decided to basically cut the Internet in half and only allow Internet that they approve of in their country and for large swaths of uh, the, the world that they have influence over? They started decoupling from the rest of the world a long time ago. So the idea of should we or should we not, they've already made that decision. It reminds me like of the whole Osama bin Laden kept with a megaphone, we're at war with you, and we kept ignoring him, uh, acting like we get to decide when we're at war. No, no, the, the, the enemy decided we're at war. China has done the same thing. We're yeah, at war with you. We're going to have our own sphere of influence. We've we've uh, we've got our own internet. We're not interested in your Google, Facebook. We do our own thing here. They're, they're doing that. When are we going to catch up to that? Well, but we have not decoupled trade wise with China. No. Not even close. No. Zillions of dollars no. are going back and forth. And you know, I mentioned uh, a couple of days ago, a week ago, whatever it was, that there were a lot of American companies that were doing business with Hitler's Germany until I mean, like. 
way after the last possible moment because it was so profitable. And uh, the American corporations will do what's best for their bottom line and not what's best for the country. Well, that was one of the points of the podcast. Not only will the companies do what's best for their bottom line, they're by law forced to do what's better best for the bottom line. I mean, they're, 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 are they in a position where if you run um, Apple, for instance, or Nike or whatever, that you can come to your shareholders and say, look, I know it's like half of our profits, but we've decided not to be involved with China. How does that work? I wish I had actually gone to law school because that's a hot area of investor law where companies have said, we're going to do the right thing for the environment and it's going to really cut into our profits. But, um, you know, we're going to start using solar instead of fuel, you know, oil. Blah blah blah, and really cut into profit. So I don't, I don't know the answer to that question. But a whole, the, the, and they, they got into the details of this, and it was really interesting. They went through a bunch of different com- big companies like Apple. The idea of them decoupling from China is it's it's practically impossible. Oh yeah, yeah. It'd be like me decoupling from my uh, circulatory system. Several, Theoretically possible, practically disastrous. Several of the biggest, most valuable companies on the planet are so involved with China that they almost can't function. They, they can't be the company that they've been if they decide to not have China They're involved. completely dependent. That's is the probably way the, I'm phrasing the short way to a one word instead of a thousand to explain <laughs> what's going on there. But, um, yeah, so I don't, I don't know how that turns out. So I do want to quote the Chinese foreign ministry uh, spokesman who described the sale of the submarines to Australia as, uh, quote, uh, extremely irresponsible. While Chinese state media warned the Aussies that they were now an adversary of China and should, quote, prepare for the worst. Yikes. Of course, that's the sort of thing belligerent regimes say all the time. On the other hand, if if somebody ends up jumping ugly in a small to medium way against China in the next five years, I will be uh, highly concerned, but not at all surprised. No, not surprised at all. No, 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 no. If the news broke today that they fired on one of our um, ships somewhere at the same time they moved on Taiwan. I wouldn't be the least bit shocked. Uh, Now, I have another very important quote for you, but I'm trying to figure out who this Glazer person is. Um, uh, Bonnie Glazer directed the German Marshall Funds Asia program. Oh, okay. So during a 90-minute call between President Xi Jinping and uh, great-grandpa Joe Biden last week, uh, she said U.S. policies have caused, quote, serious difficulties in the relationship. Now, Glazer, the China expert, says she expects Be- Beijing to exert more pressure on Australia and the United Kingdom to deter others from banding together against China. In Chinese, that's known as killing the chicken to scare the monkey. <laughs> that's a good saying. I'm going to drop that on the, the family dinner table. Hells yeah. Hey, let's not kill the chicken to scare the monkey. Or are you supposed to kill the chicken to scare the monkey? Depends if you want a scared monkey or not, obviously. Hmm. Uh, and then a different story since you brought it up. Uh, I think we should, uh, well, let's start with this. Let's start with this, and then we'll get the uh, the question asked yesterday. Clip 62, Michael. This is Joe Biden coughing. I'm not sure you know it, but if you didn't know it, you should. Meanwhile, <laughs> meanwhile, for these Republican governors... It isn't about public health, about the health of the people. It's about politics. Mississippi. <clears throat> Children are required to be vaccinated against measles. And we can continue to do it. <clears throat> COVID 
The data shows that the overwhelming majority of Americans agree with my proposal. <clears throat> that's, that's no surprise. We're also going after the bad actors and pandemic profiteers. Right, you know, I feel like we've gotten the yeah, idea. <laughs> I agree. I agree. The old man coughs. So a reporter not from Fox actually asked about it yesterday, 61. But in remarks Wednesday and Thursday, the president's own health raising eyebrows, his persistent cough seemingly worse this week. <coughs> the data, excuse me. It's not a concern. Yeah, so he was actually uh, asked by Kelly O'Donnell of, which is she, NBC, one of them, uh, asked about well, the president's cough. I mean, it seems like he's coughing a lot later. What's going on with that? And Jen Psaki kind of blew it off quickly. So. Is that, uh, I know there are, are speech and, and voice uh, symptoms of uh, cognitive decline. Gonorrhea. Is that, is that cough uh, part of it, too? I don't know. Well, here's what I thought as soon as I heard that one of the major networks had asked about his cough. I don't blame him for asking that question, but there's no way you would answer that honestly if he had a problem, and you shouldn't. So it's almost pointless to ask the question if he's got yeah he's got stage three lung cancer we found it about a month ago and we're uh, he's getting treatment for it. i mean or whatever the reason is coronavirus! Um, for a guy his age having a persistent cough <laughs> you know uh, cardi b ought to get together with Nicki minaj and form a like uh you know a coronavirus uh, two doctor uh practice but you see what i mean there's no point and if it is something bad that you wouldn't answer it honestly anyway and you shouldn't so I'm not sure what the point of asking is. Huh. I'm reading up about uh, coughing and uh, dementia. Uh, no, that's not what I thought it was. Well, I think so, it's I he's he's at that age where things can happen. You get sick and die at that age. People do all the time. Well, and just stuff doesn't work as well as it used to. So, yeah. you know, he might have trouble clearing his throat. It happens. He has had much more of a cough recently than he's had in the past, though. I think that's that's why the question was asked. Because uh, every time he speaks, you see, well, what's with the cough? So anyway, might be something, might be nothing. Who knows? And again, they probably shouldn't tell us if it turns out to be something. Maybe he's got uh, Bordetella, kennel cough. <laughs> he got it from his vicious dog that keeps attacking people. <laughs> I don't right. know. It's one theory. Uh, so Rolling Stone out with their new list of top 500 songs of all time. We'll talk about that a little bit coming up. Armstrong and Getty. does this song fall on the list of all-time greatest songs according to Rolling Stone? This, of course, Rita Franklin. Respect. I guess if you didn't know that, you'd have no interest in this segment. <laughs> I'd say not. Nor any other discussion of <laughs> popular music. So, uh, I found this kind of interesting. First of all, it just shows how old I am. If you've been listening to the show forever, you might remember that 17 years ago we did this when Rolling Stone put out the list of the top 500 songs back in 2004. We went through it. They've changed it a lot since then. Uh, it's By the way, it was a huge hit for them, this 500 greatest songs of all time. One of the most widely read stories in the history of Rolling Stone viewed hundreds of millions of times on their website over the years. But, as they say, a lot has changed since 2004. Back then, the iPod was relatively new. Billie Eilish was three years old, for instance. So they decided to give the list a total reboot to create a new version of the Rolling Stone, the top 500 songs of all time. They convened a poll of more than 250 artists, 
musicians and producers from, and I don't know most of these names, Angelique Kidjo to Zed. I don't know either one of those people. Was that one person or two? <laughs> from Sam Smith to Megan Thee Stallion, from M. Ward to Bill Ward, as well as figures from the music industry and leading critics and journalists. What critics think? Eh. Uh, they each send in a ranked list of their top 50 songs of all time, and then they tabulate the results. That's the way they go about it. The only problem I have with that is so you got 250 people. Is that what they said? You're giving them all roughly the same weight is of importance. So some critic who just really likes being a critic and not liking this and not liking that, their vote gets the same rank as some brilliant producer who might have a more normal view of songs, but whatever. Um, When the 2004 version on the list was uh, dominated by early rock and soul, the new edition contains more hip-hop, modern country, indie rock, Latin, pop, reggae, and R&B. R&B, if you think it's more or less the same list, it's not more than half of the list, 254 in all, weren't present in the old list. Wow. So that over half the top 500 songs of all time are different 17 years later. Hmm. Now, you have to keep in mind, obviously, to a certain extent, this is a gimmick to get people to, if they've had millions and millions of clicks on their website, that's what they want. Right. Right. And... You have to have a sense of humor about these things. I mean, if you want me to be angry talk show guy, I, I can't believe they displaced Bob Dylan without cast. That's outrageous. That's garbage. I'm not capable of getting angry about music. I'm just not. Uh, I'm, I don't know many people who are like that. Most people I know get very angry about, in, in particular, the thing I've always found the most interesting is getting angry about somebody else's taste in music. That's just, <laughs> that's what always seemed weird to me. Makes you so mad that that person likes that song. Yeah. Whatever. Well, you know, it's it's a lot like uh, modern politics these days. It's part of who you are, and if somebody opposes your politics, they're opposing you personally. But, for instance, new songs on there at number 50, Daddy Yankee by Gasolina. A song I don't know. I'm going to check it out. They, it's pretty cool on the list, and we got to link it at armstrongandgetty.com. But you can play the song. Every one of them, there's a description of what it is, why ah. it's important, and then you can play it. And this uh, Daddy Yankee song, Puerto Rican rapper, who they think this is the 50th greatest song of all time. I'll give that a listen and a whole bunch of other stuff that I haven't heard. Um, Lauren Hill is at 49 with a song from her, The Miseducation of Lauren Hill. That was not on the last list. That song, that album won like 8 million Grammys back when that, when that album came out. So it just gives you an idea of some of the new stuff on there. I'll hit you with the top 10 real fast before we run out of time. You got any questions? Nah. No. Um, and number 10, Hey Yeah, Outcast, which is one of the great songs of all time. I, you know, whether it's number 10 or not, I don't know, but I heard it come on the other day and I thought, this is a freaking great song. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a hook big enough to catch a whale. Um, number nine, Dreams Fleetwood Mac. Well, what I find interesting about this is there's a lot of groups on here like, I love Fleetwood Mac. I think they could easily be in the top 10, 20, whatever it is. But if I was going to pick one of the greatest songs, it wouldn't have been that one. Me neither. Um, get your freak on, Missy Elliott at eight. Number seven. So I don't need to be invited, Missy. Number seven, Beatles. And again, this is the only Beatles showing up in the top ten. They went with Strawberry Fields Forever. Wouldn't have been my choice if I was going to pick a Beatles song. But whatever. Number six, What's Going On, Marvin Gaye. Great, too. Number Needless five. To uh, and I don't, I'm pretty sure it wasn't in the top tier last time around. Nirvana Smells Like Teen Spirit. A lot of your producers and all those kind of people are weighing this on the impact that songs had. 
in addition to just how good it is. And yeah, there's the, a probably more social impact counted on the list than I would like having read it. But the impact of Nirvana's "Smell Like Teen Spirit" to the music world was huge. Number four, and I wasn't number four the number one song last time, like a Rolling Stone from Bob Dylan. Twas, yeah, and I definitely have that in my top tier. A change is going to come by Sam Cooke at number three. Not positive I even know that song. Uh, number two, the number two song of all time, according to Rolling Stone and all the people they surveyed. Public enemies fight the power. And at number one, you just heard it a moment ago, respect from Aretha Franklin. Uh, Joe and I were discussing yesterday how hilarious it is that you'd be sitting around and saying, should, you know, pick a song. Should uh, Dock of the Bay be number 261? <laughs> or should it be number 363? Right, exactly. And then where do you slip in Elton John's Rocket Man? Is that number 185 or 406? <laughs> I mean, it's just kind of silly when you get down to that level. But Yeah, and, uh, you know, you'd have to have incredibly eclectic taste in music to dig all of this. But, you know, I'm going to spin through it. I saw a, radio, a Radiohead song that I'm not familiar with. I love Radiohead, and it's in the top 100 or something like that. So I'll grab it. I'll check it out. Yeah, a Towns Van Zant song made it on there. I couldn't be a bigger fan of Towns Van Zant. I wouldn't have picked that song. So I don't, you know, different. Is one Night in Bangkok on there? Yes, One Night in Bangkok is actually 11. Number 11. Yep, just outside the top 10 we read. <laughs> I get my kicks above the waistline, sunshine. And uh, so there you go. We got, we got it linked at armstrongandgetty.com. Check it oh, out. How about yourself. Rock Me Amadeus? Yeah, there it is. 20, number 20. Fantastic. Armstrongandgetty.com. If you ever miss an hour, that's where you get the podcast. Armstrong and Getty.